not mean division in community. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Stay Curious, a podcast where we want to create diversity in thought without also creating division in community, and where we want to provide a time and a space for you to remember how to think instead of tell you what to think. I am your co-host, Matt Fisher. I'm the creative director here at Hill City, where we produce this and every episode of the podcast, and I am here, as always, with my co-host, sitting, I'm just going to give everybody a peek behind the curtain, right next to me, because we don't have enough microphones today. I am uncomfortably close to my co-host, John Wagler. John, what's going on? I'm here, and also feeling very uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> just like one random spit will make this really bad. Um Doing good today, Matt. I will say this. Uh, I'll talk about another annoyance, if that's cool. Go for it. Yeah. Um, you know I'm about the negativity. I'm tired of the phrase, speak your truth. Okay. Where did you hear it that it made you upset? Well, every, I, I feel like I hear it all the time when someone's like, speak your truth, Matt. Like, and I, I think someone should change that because sometimes when someone says speak their truth, it's actually dumb what they're saying. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. not, it's not actually true. Mm-hmm. And so I think someone should shift it to like, Speak your perspective or speak your angle or do you know what I mean? Like something that changes this idea. Because I think what is happening is people think their truth is truth, but then they don't leave themselves open to discuss. Yeah. People don't like to delineate between lowercase t and uppercase t. Correct. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, that's where I'm at today. Well, that's that's has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about, but thanks for sharing. Um, We are here to round out the final episode um, of our 2020 Black History Month series. Um, Again, another peek behind the curtain, uh, just so you guys know what's going on. We had a interview set up. Um, That person got sick and uh, she is doing better, but we wanted to give her space to (laughs) continue to get better. Um, So we sort of had a, a production hiccup. And as a result, our dear friends who are here right now stepped in super last minute and made time for us. So we're very, very grateful for that. We are here with Lamont and Rivers. Gentlemen, what's going on? What's going on, man? First of all, your podcast voice is perfect. Is your, <laughs> do you do any sort of narration in it, your life? Now, yeah, in my head, yeah. everything that's going on, I'm okay, narrating. Now yeah. when I wake up, I'm going to hear your voice. Uh, Rivers woke <laughs> up this What's up, Rivers? It's going to be a great day. Rivers woke up this morning, <laughs> and he thought to himself, <laughs> the coffee was too hot. <laughs> No, it's perfect, man. What's it, going on, guys? Not much, not much. Lamont, how's it going, my man? It's going great. I'm just glad to be here. Yeah, we're glad to have you guys. So you all are the respective worship leaders at the churches at which you work. Lamont, you here at Hill City. Yeah. And Rivers yes. at the Life Church. Tell us a little bit. So people hear a lot about Hill City. So tell us a little bit about the Life Church and sort of how you landed there, and then we'll get to how we lucked out with getting Lamont on staff. Yeah, no, cool. I'll give you the short version because the entire story is a little long. So the Life Church is a local church uh, planted about almost five years ago, five years ago in July uh, by our pastor, uh, Vernon Gordon. Um, Amazing church, amazing community. I'm super happy to be a part of uh, what's going on there. How did I get hooked up there? Um, Pastor Vernon, little people, uh, very few people know that he was a worship leader um, in our hometown back in Tidewater. So he's from Chesapeake, not from Hampton. And uh, we kind of knew each other in passing from the music scene down there. And one day he just up and disappeared, like out of nowhere. I was like, where did this guy go? He was really, really good. Don't tell him I said that, but he was really good. <laughs> and his group was amazing. And then one day he just kind of fell off the scene. And uh, it was like that for a couple of years until one day I got a message uh, from a friend of mine here in Richmond. And they said, hey, would you ever be interested in leading worship at Vernon's church? And I say, Vernon Vernon has a church? Can he 
preach? The, he sings like you. Worship leaders don't have churches. He's like, no, he he launched a church in July. He's looking for someone to start leading worship. Would you be interested? I said, hey, I don't have anything to lose. I haven't talked to this guy in like two years. Um, so he gives me a call. Uh, we sit down, have uh, lunch for a few hours actually, and he just kind of unpacks the vision and uh, starts rolling out all of the ideas and everything that he believes that the life church is going to be and um, different things like that. And I, I'm hooked from day one. And so church launch church launches in July of 2015. I come, I think, about December 2015. And uh, we've been rocking and rolling ever since. Love That's it. Awesome. That's awesome. Lamont, tell us from your perspective how you landed here at Hill City. Uh, so, <laughs> and you have to refer to me as Pastor John. <laughs> Really? <laughs> no. All right, I'll make a long story short as well. Um, but it kind of started with um, God told me that I was supposed to be a worship leader. At the time, I was working a corporate job, and I thought I was going to be at that job forever. I didn't want to leave. Um, and I was like, you know, I hear you, God, but mm, I got a family. I got kids. I'm good here. You know, I have my trajectory uh, mapped out. And um, year before last, in November, I had an incident that was beyond my control, but I got fired from the job. So I felt like at that point, God was saying, hey, you're not going to leave. I told you to do something. I'm going to make you leave. And so at that point, I started to go back to what God told me. And I'm like, okay, I'm really supposed to be leading worship like as my thing. And um I reached out to Corey because word on the street, I knew Corey from a, we were in a rapper singer group together a long time ago. And um, the word on the street was he had kind of connections to people that were looking for worship leaders. So I reached out to him and um, he was like, you got a resume? And I'm like, I never actually created a resume for worship leader, but I can get one because I've had worship leader positions. Um, and so I did. He got it to WAGS and um, we had many lunches, many conversations and you know, you guys decided to pick me up. And um, I've been grateful ever since. Like, I love the church. My family loves the church, um, which is a whole nother time. I won't go off into a tangent, but yeah, that's how I landed. I feel like I should have made mine way more spiritual. <laughs> like, yeah, God I told to me. Yeah, and then God spoke and led me. So what had happened was I, Vernon disappeared. Yeah, he disappeared. <laughs> mine was way more I was carnal. Like, I can sing. And... <laughs> Sure, I'll do this thing. Right? That's kind of how it was, though. It was just, I, I guess I have nothing to lose. Let's try it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should have said, yeah, God called me. <laughs> he came to me in a dream and said, this is your church home. So Rivers, what, Rivers, what was um, your experience with like leading worship and music um, prior to Life Church? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> primarily, not church. So primarily, all through... I'll say the latter part of high school and the, the majority of, of undergrad as well. Um, I was in R&B, soul, rock music, different things like that. And church was like a side a side gig. Um, both of my parents are pastors. They still pastor to this day um, in Hampton. And uh, I was always the PK that came and could do music but didn't really want to do it. Um, and then when I got to college, if I could just be candid, um, it was easy money for a college student to be like a musician and Lamont's like not in his head because he knows like just, I can come here on a Sunday morning and uh, play a service and they'll help me pay my rent which is great um, um, so the majority of my experience was kind of outside of church um, it wasn't until probably about 
my junior, no, more so my senior year that I started taking worship leading more seriously um, to make it kind of a, more of a spiritual tag. Like I really felt the call of God. I kind of had a come to Jesus moment in my apartment. Um, I was listening to a sermon uh, by Judas Smith from out of Seattle, um, LA now, but he was in Seattle at the time. Um, and I just heard the Lord calling me like, this is, you need to stop kind of kidding around with this thing. Like this, this can be way more serious. And he started showing me all these things that he wanted to do. And um, that moment, this was January, 2014, is when I said, okay, I need to make a, I need to make a decision. What am I going to do? Um, so all of my experience is more so in the secular world, um, but it's kind of transitioned over the last few years to be really, really rooted in, in worship and kind of sacred music. Very cool. And then Lamont, what was your sort of history before uh, coming to Hill City and, and just the music world? I know you had a group and you yeah. mentioned you and Corey performed together. Yeah, so um, my whole family is musical. I've grown up my whole entire life singing. Every time we had a family gathering, it was always, hey, Lamont can sing, go ahead and sing for us. And I would be, you know, performing for the family. So I always knew that I wanted to be in some sort of performing, singing kind of thing. I just didn't know what aspect it was when I was a kid. Um, so I grew up, you know, singing in the church. My grandfather was a pastor. Um, my dad played drums and bass. So I grew up watching him play. And um, at first, because of my family dynamic and I sung all the time, in church, I didn't want to sing. I wanted to play drums. I was like, you know, I sing all the time. Yeah. This is my only time to really hone my other gifting that I've been given. And so um, I was a part of another church. I won't name the church. But um, I didn't let them know that I could sing for a long time. I was playing drums, and anytime they they heard that I could sing, and they asked me, like, hey, do you know this song? I'd be like, no. I purposely not know songs just so I could play. <laughs> Never heard um, Yeah. So, uh, so that went on for a while. And then um, when I got to high school, I joined the gospel choir at Henrico High School, and I started singing. And that was the first time that I had, like, an experience or I felt the presence of God. And so that's when I started getting serious. I'm like, hey, this singing thing that I do, I need to do it to glorify God. And so I was in um, in class with one of my group members um, now, but I was a fan of a group called GI. They were God's image back then. And um, one day I got a call that said, hey, you, you trying to be a part of the group? I said, yeah. So I went over Brandon's house, had an audition, became a part of GI, um, and we've done a lot. We've traveled all around the world. And from that, um, to his point, the in the in like black church uh, world, if you have a gifting in music, mm -hmm. it's it's gig related um, a lot of times. Yeah. So when I started worship leading, um, it was it was a gig, really. Um, but through that, it gave me the training to understand worship at a deeper level. Yeah. Um, and then from there, that kind of died off because of scheduling things and, you know, kind of landed me where I am. Is it common within the black church for, like, guys to just kind of pop around to different churches? And is that, like, a normal absolutely. thing? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, uh, it's, it's not uncommon for one musician to play at three churches on a Sunday. Mm -hmm. uh, they'll have a 8 a.m. on this side of town and then maybe a a 10:30 a.m. service, excuse me, um, on that side of t on that side of town, then maybe play an evening service um, on in, in another part of the city. Um, so that's pretty common. That is a gig, like yeah. to Lamont's point. Yeah. Why do you think it is? Because I think that in 
So we're going to use these terms, black church and white church. Please. Everybody just, that's what it is. Yep. Um, it, it's a real thing. Just, <laughs> you can be white and go to a black church. You can be black and go to a black uh, white church. And, and also, like, we're all moving toward reconciliation and, sure. and integration and stuff. But black church, white church. I think in white church, like, um, the idea of paying musicians for worship, is, I don't know, John, am I wrong to say that's, like, not as prominent? It, de- <clears throat> it depends on the church. Uh, so your bigger churches that have deeper budgets, mm-hmm. um, they will, and they actually pay them, their musicians unbelievably well. Yeah. Like it's kind of dumb. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I like when it's no. all like I know I know a very large church that will pay a singer like that's only responsible for a few services on Sunday and a practice during the week, but has sure. no management like anything. Like they just sing. And they do it almost weekly, but they get yeah. paid close to thirty grand, oh, and they yeah. have like sure. a whole other job and everything. And so, um, there are churches that do pay, but predominantly, yes, um, it's not. It, it's a total culture. I think some of the older, more predominantly white churches actually pay. Yeah. Um, the newer ones don't as much. So, what do you all think it is about like? black church that values musicians in such a way that they are willing to, because I've also heard stories um, like I, we have a neighbor who is an older black guy and is a bass player. And he talks about like, he, he talks about like, I haven't been to church in a long time. I play at church all the time. <laughs> Cause it's like, he, he's not even sure what he believes. Like, you know, he's sure. like shared with us. He's not even sure what he believes, which is fine. Um, but that like, yeah, it's more of a gig thing or, or rivers. You were saying like, you weren't sure where you were at as far as like the spiritual aspect of it, yeah. but you knew it paid the bills in college. Absolutely. What is it to you guys about um, black church culture that like values musicians in that way that they are willing to even a sm- slightly smaller church or not these huge churches willing to like budget for good musicians no you're gonna take it yeah yeah well i could just come from my perspective so i think um within the context of the black church music has always been a major part of the church um even when you think back to the times of slavery like the church was the the place where they can all get together they can express themselves a lot of that expression came through music um so because the foundation of the black church was heavily influenced by music. It's always been a major part. Um, whereas from my experience um, in the history of some of the white churches, it's been more of the, the liturgy and the, the, that aspect of it rather than music. There are a lot of churches that still don't have any music. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's, it's just the, the history of, of what it was built on. Absolutely. So it's kind of like in white church, the music has always sort of been the French fries, but for black church, it's the it's the hamburger. Right, like it's right. the main main Absolutely. course. Right, interesting. It's always it's always been prioritized. Yeah, um, not to say that you know the value is decreased if you go to a white church. It's not that, but to 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 Lamont's point, it's always been this is part of the meat and potatoes of why we come here on Sundays. Well, yeah, and I think that there's a you know when people use the term soul music, yeah. they a lot of times people think that's a style, right? But mm. it isn't. It's a. It's like the core of someone's Absolutely. being. Yeah. Sure. That that's why it feels different, right? Sure. Like there's like a. And to your point, Lamont, about historically why music played such a big role it was a bonding, you know, element. And so even like the idea of the the soul part of it. That's why, um, even for us as a predominantly white church, 
you know, like when we talk music, I'm like, I want us to have an infusion of more gospel and more feel yeah. to things because there is something inherently that happens when you sing it that like it just gets attached in a different way yeah, than the sure. kind of classic, I would say, the CCM, which is like the label used for, you know, white music, white worship music, the kind of classic model of that. It, it does miss, it can often miss that emotive kind of soul stirring aspect that I feel like does happen from gospel music. Do you guys see that too? Like as you, cause you guys both sing yeah. both styles. Yeah. Do you feel that? Yes. <laughs> um, however, I think there are several other things that kind of play a factor in that. Okay. Um, specifically if we could use, just use a black church, for example, um, a lot of things that happen within a, a worship setting are very dialogical in nature. Like it's very almost conversation based. If I could like it, the, the dialogue, it's very push and pull back and forth, call and response to Lamont's point about kind of going through the history of it. Um, that kind of plays a part in the emotion and the passion that kind of comes forth. Um, so I think to your point about the soul aspect of it, yes, but I think that's, that's a, a, the tip of the iceberg. There, there are several other factors that kind of play into what makes that what it is. Mm-hmm. What are those things? I think just like I said, it's the, the, the feeling, the community of it all. Um, music is always the thing that, that brings us all together. Um, or even just the meeting place of Sunday morning, kind of going black, going back to, um, I'm thinking about civil rights era, how church wasn't just church on Sunday mornings. It was it was the school, it was yeah. the feeding yeah. program, it was the there. You're learning about the community in the church. You're you're doing. They're not just here on Sundays. We're here Monday through Saturday, and this is the epicenter of what's happening in our community. Um, and that's kind of just trickled on through the decades. And um, that communal aspect of it all, I think, also plays a major part. So all of those things kind of stewed up together. So as like a black worship leader, when you, so Lamont, for instance, you come into Hill City and like, John and I always cringe when people are like, oh, yeah, you guys are like a diverse because it's like not as diverse as we'd like it to be. It's like, yeah, sure. Yeah, having, yeah, like, you know, <laughs> diverse is 50 50, not 20 80. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. like, it's always white people that say it, right? Like, yeah. So, like, it's yeah, like yeah, 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 we got a super diverse church. And I'm like, ah. And then Corey's like, I work at a white church. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, like, I mean, yeah, we have some. I mean, like, probably in Richmond, like, yeah. we're probably better than most yeah. you know like yeah. in terms of yeah. like a predominantly white church but i'm like yeah. but at the end of the day we're still 75 25 you know yeah, like when you, th- when you think yeah. diverse you really think that the percentages are really leveling out yeah you know, like, and yeah. even stylistically yeah you know like it, anyway yeah <laughs> it's like if, it, if i was at earlier we were talking about john and i were talking about off mic about like experiences where we were the only white people in a room and yeah. it's like if i had been at that like black power hip-hop show and there'd been two other white people there i wouldn't have been like this is really diverse <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? i would have still been like yeah, yeah. yeah this, we're mostly outnumbered yeah. um yeah. but uh lamont for you coming into a prim- primarily white church as a worship leader and engaging with these sort of ccm type like Hillsongy, like lots of guitar pedals and like 
not gospel. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What what is the what is your initial thought or like what do you feel like is the initial thought for maybe somebody coming from a black church context into a white church, liking the sermons, like liking the ideas, liking but then like getting to worship and just being like, This sounds like a U two cover. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's an interesting question. Go um, off. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, for me, the transition was a lot easier because I'm a musician and I'm a songwriter. So coming from that aspect, I can appreciate things about the composition of the songs that make it more meaningful to me. Um, Yeah, um, for me, the lyrics of CCM songs paint a vivid picture. Gospel songs, on the other hand, they bank on the simplicity of the message to connect with an experience that might be more vast. Um, So for me, being a songwriter, because the songs paint a vivid picture, even when I'm singing them and I'm, I'm worshiping, I'm seeing this picture in my head. So for me, that's my connecting piece. Um, So even when we talk back to the, the, the feeling and the soul of like gospel music. I also think that CCM has a, a large component of that as well. Absolutely. It's just up front in the lyrics of the song rather than the simplicity of the lyrics connecting with an experience that's a little more deep um, on the gospel end. But I would just say, yeah, you, you just got to get into the lyrics for me um, if I was to advise somebody and then just be open-minded. Like, Ultimately, it's all the same goal. We're all still worshiping the same God. Um, yeah. I think to Lamont's point, I think the last part you said about being open-minded, I think is the, I think the most, is way easier said than done. I think yeah. it's the most difficult yeah, for sure. part, especially for, I think, people like us coming into more white spaces. Um, since we're so used to it being a certain way, yep. if it doesn't sound like that, this is not, what a, what is this? Yeah, Wags yeah. is really, he's saying some good stuff, but this worship, I just can't. <laughs> the, the song's over already? Like what? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, but to your point, I think the the soul of it is in the lyrics. Yeah. But with, with black church being... Um, I'll say more expressive. Mm-hmm. I always think of like re- reflective versus expressive. Um, if you walk into a white space, um, the lyrics are very deep. They're very content heavy, which I think is phenomenal. Yeah. I think I think yeah. that needs to be everywhere. Um, whereas if you go to a kind of a, a, a black church or a black experience, to your point, uh, they're shorter, but we can express. We feel as though. Uh, we can express more with it um, because the simplicity of it. And then going back to that communal perspective, just if a song is six words, we can grab a hold of that and the whole church is screaming it out. And that yeah. creates the experience as well. Um, so kind of like reflective versus expressive, right. if I could use those terms. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, and I also want to say, like, there are powerful, like in predominantly white churches, there are there is powerful music. There are powerful yeah. worship moments. I think... You know, and the powerful the powerful worship experiences that can happen in white spaces that can be missing that communal aspect that is attached. You know, obviously in a in a more traditional kind of black church, and it isn't to say like to your point, like we sing a song called King of Kings. I was telling like Lacey, I'm like, 
Like, that's one of my favorite songs because like it just takes you on this like theological like journey throughout scripture and the presence of God. Like it is a beautifully written song. It's harder to sing, yeah. you know, but like it's a beautifully written song. So to your point, like there there are those elements, but it is like the it doesn't feel like in a predominantly white church as often there's this attachment to the music in and of itself because yeah. it's not it doesn't transcend the community yeah. together as much. I remember I grew up in a Pentecostal church and um yeah, and so yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um and so which you know we were predominantly white but we but in a Pentecostal church like it has the same kind of feel. Yeah. And I always joke around cuz like if you walked into the room you would think man this place is spirit filled and this is it but it was just like it was just the culture, right? It was more mm-hmm. the... Sure. And I remember, I just remember, this is a vivid memory. I, we would sing this song, There's Gonna Be a Revival. And then you put like, now I'm old enough where they had the transparencies where you put on the projector, like and it would go up there. And oh, um, and I just remember seeing that, like when they would flip to the There's Gonna Be a Revival, like bridge, it said, There's Gonna Be a Revival. And then in parentheses underneath it said, Times 13. And <laughs> yeah. they would just sing it 13 times, yeah. you know? And so it just... Girl, sing, it it was more, yeah. sing it till revival comes. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think some of it has to do with like, you know, we talk about the intersectionality of like race and class in this country. Mm-hmm. And like some of it has to do with class, right? Because if you yeah. go to the hills of West Virginia where everybody's a coal mine, I mean, it's all white, but like yeah. people are working class and you go to their church, they're, they're not singing old song. You know, like they're, they're, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's yeah. A, you know, that's where in Pentecostal churches, like Pentecostal churches primarily regardless of race, tend to be, there's not a lot of big CEOs going to Pentecostal churches, yeah, right? right? Yeah. The, yeah. Far uh, more not, blue collar. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. more blue collar because it's like that your work week is repressive. You're working hard. Like that goes back to slavery, right? Like you're being, you're being beaten and oppressed and worked hard. So on Sunday, you want to be able to express yourself and cut loose. Yeah. yeah. Um, whereas if you spend all week in like this white collar, like telling people what to do and basically not being oppressed and sure. I won't say oppressing others, but um, yeah. <clears throat> capitalism, but um, <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, but I think there is a, there is a call to on Sunday, be told what to do and be yeah. quiet and be reflect. I really like what you said, reflective mm-hmm. versus expressive. Yeah. And, um, I was, and, uh, and I don't want to say verses as, as if they're against each other, right. but yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Still. yeah no, yeah. I, I really like that. What, um, so what do you feel like for, um, for white folks who are very used to a very, I kind of joked like U2 style, you know, like lots of, um, U2 is awesome. Though. Lots of, yeah, you. we could talk. Um, <laughs> lots of like, like, um, like layers of guitar pedals and like sounds and lots of lyrics. Yeah. Um, and then they come into church one day and let's say it's a church that's trying to sort of be more diverse and it is more of a gospel feel. Mm-hmm. What is it that they need to, and they're kind of like, oh my gosh, it's the same lyrics over and over again. It's so long. And, <laughs> um, what's something that they need to understand about not just the black experience and worship, but just like how black church music is structured to help them. You, you've, you've given good pointers for somebody coming from a black church context yeah. into a CCM context. What are some pointers for like, what are some things white people can understand about uh, sort of black church music that could be helpful? I think for a white person, it would have to be, number one, I would ask before you even walk through the doors, are you looking to gain something from this experience? To, to Lamont's point, are you coming in with an open mind? 
Are you willing to walk into a space that's not as introspective or me-centered? Not saying this is white church, like not saying that at all. Um, but that's not as introspective or me-centered, if I could say that, as what you're used to. Um, going back to the whole community-based thing, um, are you willing to be a part of an experience as a whole when you walk into this room? Um, I'll use our church, for example. When you walk into this room and there's 500 people, it's not just 500 individual people. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's one body, as, as of course, the church should be. Um, but like that's, that leaning into that communal aspect, are you willing to really lean into this experience with 500 other people that becomes kind of transcendent, I think, uh, is what Wag said earlier, um, and play a part in that? Um I don't know if that's too deep. But no, that's good. Yeah, that's great. That's good. And then also to tag along to that, because also we're only talking about, you know, the style of black churches that we've experienced. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, the black experience in the black churches is very vast. There are a lot of black churches that aren't as um, expressive as we Without question. Are, are used yeah. to. But um, another thing is, uh, are you willing to let go of structure, per se? Um there are a lot of times that I've been in services where the worship basically encompasses the entire service, where there is no teaching. The presence of God has come, and we dwell in that for the entire service in worship. Um, so are you willing to, to let go of the sense of structure to experience something maybe deeper? And then also um, perspective. Um, not even a white or black thing, but sometimes when <clears throat> singers are singing music, uh, if there are a lot of runs or a lot of ad-libbing, some people can look at that as like over the top. Why is that necessary? Or distracting. But, right. Yeah. Um, but the understanding of of why we ad-lib, why this run is coming out the way that it is. And there are cases where it's just too much. Like, come on, like you're just showing yeah. off on the song. But, <laughs> but it it comes from... The, the emotion, it comes from the experience. It comes from this is the best way that I can express to God what I'm feeling. Um, so it's having that prior understanding, too, because um, that's one thing that before I came to Hill City, um, I talked to some of my friends and I was like, man, I don't even know how I'm going to do it. Like, I'm not I'm not used to not ad living and not, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not used to letting the melody be the thing that sings and just let that stand on its own. Um, and there's beauties in both. Um, so I think there is just the willingness to 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 look from a different perspective. The only thing I can't get on board with, guys, is when the worship leader says to sing your own song. Is that a thing? <laughs> oh, never is, been in a oh, service. That is that is definitely a thing. Oh my that gosh! Like when it's like. Po- maybe maybe yeah, that's really only quick. in the. Pe- I grew up Methodist. Okay. So. <laughs> no, 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 no. You get in that little point where like someone's like. Not just sing your own song. I'm like, yeah. I just, I, I don't want to hear myself sing. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I want like, I can't do that. I can't ever get on board. So can I be super you real can. right now? I think totally I'm good. really into this. <laughs> yeah, no. Mostly because lots of the music I like is just noise. So yeah. it's like I could bring some of that to church. That's it. Yeah. I'm gonna do it Sunday. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> such a co- that's really a common phrase though. Like, what, I'm like, like, like sing your own song, yeah. lift up your voice. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Lift up your own voice, or I just always assume either the worship leader forgot the lyrics. Or like, or just like you know, no, honestly, lost where on the one hand, that happens too. Because <laughs> I can tell you a number of times where I for I have forgotten a bridge, 
or a vamp. And I'm just like, I need something yeah. that's going to fill the space. <laughs> Come on, you be the worship leader, I'll say. Can I get some um, woes? Can I? <laughs> um, but I think another point, I think, I think on the other side of it is kind of leaning into the whole dialogical thing I was mentioning mm-hmm. before, kind of from platform to pew. Like, okay, this is not just a, I'm telling you what to do. I'm also releasing you to be led in your own way. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that goes well. Sometimes that doesn't go well. Yeah. Um, but like that freedom, letting go of the structure. I love what Lamont said about kind of letting go of that structure and let it get kind of be more uh, free-flowing. Um, I think that's also kind of where it comes from because I'll use, once again, I'll use TLC for example, for in a 20-minute worship set, whereas um, perhaps a white church will sing four songs, we'll sing like two you know, and we'll sing those two songs for 20 minutes and some people will be uncomfortable, but in our context, that's, let's go more. Let's go. We can add five more minutes on. Um, so yeah. Yeah, we don't do that. That's <laughs> <laughs> cool. I'm going to come and fill in for Lamont one Sunday and say, yeah, we're, 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 t- we're going all the way. Just one more refrain. Yeah. Um, just one more time. I really like, uh, Rivers, what you said about the communal aspect versus the individualist mm-hmm. aspect. Yeah. Um, I think that is something that as white churches or, or um, you know, sort of people who were raised in the white Christian experience. Because it's also worth saying, just like Lamont, you were saying, like, y'all are talking about your perspective. There's lots of different types of white um, churches. There are it's lots, the same, loads yeah, of them. Yeah, and I think also, like, there, when we say white church, like, there's lots of, I know black people who were raised in the white church experience, like a Presbyterian church yeah. or a yeah. Methodist church or something sure. like that. But um, I think for like the white church experience, something that I want to draw from that is letting go of some of that individualism. Because yeah. that's where we get a lot of this like, and we see this, especially with evangelical churches of like, it kind of gets a little self-helpy a little bit. And mm-hmm. we are super sensitive to that. At, yeah. One of the things I love about Hill City is that we're very sensitive to that. But I think it gets into that self-helpiness because it's kind of like you, how can you do this thing? How can you be better? How can you, mm-hmm. and it, there, that has a place, Yeah, absolutely. but um, the idea, and I'd never thought about it. The idea that like the black worship, the black church worship experience in a lot of cases is we are singing together. We are having right. a dialogue. Mm-hmm. It's about us. It's not about me raising my hands or me crying or me feeling the presence of God. It's about us like invoking the presence of God for right. all of us. Sure. That's, uh, I feel like a lesson we could learn for, certainly for me. For sure. That's actually one of the reasons like Lamont and I have talked before about now I, Musically, I'm a sucker for any time the music cuts out and it's just the voices. Oh, like, yeah. I just love that part yeah. of, like, a song, you know? But I think the reason is is because when you hear all the voices together, it, like, brings in a little bit more of a communal yeah, experience. Yeah. And we've had a couple of moments, like, even where uh, at a team event, we had everyone come down. Like, it was, wasn't, like, a normal worship service. It was just, like, team. And it was just, like, Lamont and Natalie mm-hmm. standing with... 350 people like no no musicians nothing and we were just singing together and it gave a window i think to what probably in a black church experience you you feel that more often but it gave a window i think in i don't know if you guys feel this way but sometimes like i feel like worship music gets overproduced like there's so much like you know we gotten into like all the lights and all things and all things and and you kind of lose the you can lose a communal aspect to it yeah. as much. Yeah. Sorry. Cool. Um, is there anything else that you guys would like to kind of chat about or expectations that you had to to 
discuss on the show, things you want people to know out there, kind of knowing what our audience is? I, I love what you said about kind of, I guess, going off of what I said about the, the communal versus individualistic thing. Um, I probably didn't say it as poetically as you did, but I, I loved it. Um, <laughs> one thing I will say about the black experience that I would personally love to see more of is, whereas, yes, we are family, family community-based, I'm in you can't see me, but I'm doing quotations right now. With my Audio medium. Doing, yeah, doing air quotes. Um, one thing that I believe that our community could grow from is, okay, Sundays are great. It's a we are singing and a we are worshiping and a we are, re- we are receiving a word, but that Monday through Friday becomes extremely mm. difficult, and we almost use Sunday mornings as a crutch, mm, as in yeah. I'm, I've gotten enough, now I have to wait till next Sunday to kind of have, have this experience again. And some people often suffer on Wednesday because it's like, ah, uh, the, the experiential high that I got on Sunday is now gone, and now I'm by myself, and I'm battling depression, and I'm battling anxiety, and I'm battling um, all of the things that come with just life and adulthood and marriage and kids and all these things. Um, one thing that I know that we could kind of take away, and of course this is a, a learning experience from from all of us, um, is how to take what's happening on Sunday mornings and, hey, how can I apply this on Thursday when I want to give up? How can I apply this on Saturday when Sunday is just right around the corner, but it's still Saturday night is hard. You know, um, so I love that. I mean, you, you're saying you would like to see more of the communal aspect. I'd I'd love to see kind of the more individualistic kind of approach as well. Yeah. To to River's point, on both sides, there are always going to be things that we can draw from the other side. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that's just my lasting thought. Cool. Honestly. Awesome. Well, thanks. Thanks, you guys. Thanks for being here. Hey, man. Thanks for letting us be like your yes. second choice. Yeah. yeah I know, oh, right? totally kidding. I opened with that. Yeah. But I wanted to express that you came in at the last minute because you're great. We will so always good. come to Hillside. Well, I'll always, you work here, so you don't yeah, have to be here. But I'll always come when you guys call every time. <laughs> well, thanks to our guests and thanks to everybody out there for listening. If you have questions, quip, comments, or quotes, you can email them to staycurious at hillcityrva.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at staycurious.com pod and you can follow us on the bad website twitter at stay curious cast um if you get a second rate and review us um and share the episode and as always remember to stay curious Peace, man.